Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Joyce said she's never alone. <clears throat> and that's true no matter what. But there's also a special presence we carry. Yes. Uh, there's a scripture, God inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. And I know I've shared this before, but um, with some of the students, and actually I just finished a three-part series on Wednesday nights at a place. And we don't have singing worship, so I always have them start with the gratitude exercise, where they ask, well, we actually do two exercises. We do on how have you partnered with Jesus this week, and how have you resisted Jesus this week. Mm-hmm. But we always start with the positive one. The scripture says God inhabits the praises of his people. So they do a writing exercise and then they have to share it with the people at their table. And part of it, and when I do that also with the students, first of all, I always tell them it's a blessing because we're doing that kind of praise and worship instead of me leaving singing. And you should be grateful for that. <laughs> um, but the other part is I want them used to casually in conversation expressing gratitude for what God's done. Because like most of us have worked in secular places. I worked in a very secular place. But I'd always felt encouraged. And when people asked why, I said, because I know his presence is there in my conversations. Because when I tell someone what God's been doing for me, no matter who that person is, that is praising God. So as I express thanks for what he has done, he inhabits that praise. So God inhabits our conversations when they're focused on what is good and noble and pure and just. Okay? And I don't want to forget Judah, so I'm just saying it now because you can remind me if I I forget Judah. (laughs) But but it's interesting we sing a song about Judah. And even uh, Linda shared a word about kings this morning. And you said this is the month of kings that just started? Yeah, you saw it. Okay. That's, that's interesting. So Joshua was old. Isn't this an encouraging scripture? Joshua was old and advanced in years. Well, that's fun. The Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years, and a very large amount of the land remains to be possessed. So we're going through the book of Joshua. And today we're going to go through a lot of Joshua without reading it. And the reason we're going to do that is Joshua 12 is really just a list but it's done in a very wordy way. It, I mean, I feel like sometimes God is inefficient. And then I read Isaiah and realize, no, he's not inefficient, he's poetic. And that's why Isaiah is one of my favorite books, is you could summarize Isaiah in a three-page paper, but the poetic is powerful. And when God's redundant, he's redundant for reasons. <clears throat> but what he drives home in 12 is, they had a lot of victory. It lists 31, 31 rulers they conquered. But we're not going to read that whole long list. <clears throat> and then in the next chapters, <clears throat> so after it lists the rule, rulers, from chapter 13 through 21, you're basically reading a lot about landmarkers and locations, some that don't even exist today. It's basically how they divided up the land. It's like a land grant. It's like, it's like reading, I don't know, realty doc- documents. <clears throat> <laughs> so it's a lot about territory and city allotment. And I just, I I brought that map back because I wanted to make it clear 
The reason I read that other verse first is this is how they divided up the land, but they didn't possess it yet. Like uh, these territories here, you know, see like Manasseh and Dan and Ephraim, especially, the, their western part was still occupied by Canaanites. The Philistines were still in the western part, and this one shows that, the western part of Judah and Simeon. And so you have the 12 tribes land allotted, and they didn't have the northern part either. You know, out there with Asher and Naphtali, they, most of that they didn't have yet. So in the whole lifetime of Joshua, they did not occupy the land they were allotted. But it was still divided out. <clears throat> um, and I just teaching, I bring up facts. You see 12 tribes' names up there. <clears throat> the Levites' names are not up there. Levi, and I won't go into the whole story, but is a favor, as a, a, a mark of favor, Levi was given the allotment of the Lord himself. So the Levites got to be the priests. They did not have a territory. They were given cities and pasture land for their flocks all throughout Israel. But they didn't have to have an allotment because they had the Lord. They got to be the priests. Okay? The reason there's still 12 names is because you don't see the name Joseph up there because Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And they both had the favor of God pronounced over them by Israel. By Jacob. And so Israel blessed Manasseh and Ephraim and took them as his own sons, even though they were his grandsons. So they each got their own allotment. So Ephraim and Manasseh are two allotments. That's why there's 12 names. Instead of just the name Joseph, you have the two of those. Okay? Maybe more detail than you wanted. Um, the southern part where Benjamin is, so you see right below Ephraim is Benjamin. So Benjamin, Benjamin Judah, and Simeon, and then the Levites that lived in that area because they were everywhere, they become the southern kingdom. And it's the southern kingdom that lasted longer than the northern kingdom. After This was whole thing that happens after the split of the kingdom after Solomon dies. And that's interesting because basically after the exile of the southern kingdom, they get to return. But what returned was predominantly Judah. It was called the kingdom of Judah. And by then, the Israelis pretty much had lost a lot of their tribal identity. Um, because Judah, in fact, even the way Simeon was in the center of Judah, Judah kind of just absorbed Simeon. So a lot of the tribes didn't keep an identity, other than the Levite and Judah. And there were a few maybe that traced Benjamin. But the reason I say that is because in Christ's time, the Israelites were predominantly from the tribe of Judah, because it's the one that got to survive. And Benjamin and Simeon were mixed in with them. And the whatever Levites were in that part. <clears throat> okay, that was more detail than I meant to even give you. <clears throat> so the whole idea is all the way through to chapter 21 is just allotment of cities, lands, and such. But there's these little sub-stories, and some of them are only a few verses long. And, and I'm not going to cover all of them today. They'll probably be covered in the future. But I'm going to cover today Caleb and Othniel, which is in both 14 and 15. They're not the major part. major part of 14 is lauding the land to Judah. But Caleb was from the land of Judah, so he gets a small part in that. Um, 17 has the whole theme about the daughters of Manasseh. It's interesting. I am going to mention this challenge of Joseph to the tribes, because I'm going to mention that at the end. That's in 17 and 18. Joshua challenges all of Israel. Uh, 19, you have the allotment of Simeon, 
And I just highlight that because that's why Simeon ended up really part of Judah. Is Simeon, at that time, Judah wasn't big enough for all their land, so the center part, or a, a big chunk in the center, went to Simeon. And then you have the cities of refuge and the cities and pasture for the Levites. And I want to mention that because the Levites did not need an allotment. They had the Lord as their allotment. And the reason I say that is because we are priests from a priesthood superior to the Levite priesthood. But as priests, we don't have to get tied up in what in land, in hills, and things like that. We don't have to get tied up in the material because our allotment's in the Lord. <clears throat> and then 22 through 24, we'll, uh, someone will cover in the future. That's the whole idea about when the Eastern, remember, Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh we talked about earlier. And there's almost a civil war that gets avoided. And then 23 and 24, I'm sure whoever does it, it will be a sermon on its own because it's, there's something beautiful in Joshua's farewell and the renewal of the covenant. Okay, so if you just acted interested, with you guys, great eye contact. I appreciate you all acted interested. And if you weren't, I feel better as a teacher to give outlines. So, <clears throat> so I guess it was about me, not you. <clears throat> so again, this is right in the middle of just a whole bunch of, I mean, just pages and pages of land allotments. And then God has this written. Now the people of Judah, this is in chapter 14, Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. So just a reminder about that. This is referring to back to Numbers 13 and 14. They send in spies. They send in the spies of the land. When they come back, all 12 spies that went in to spy the promised land came back. This is when Moses sent them in to spy out where they were going to go. All 12 agreed. It's an amazing land. It is a fertile land. It is a well-watered land. It's, it's an awesome place. But 10 of them said, yeah, it's an awesome place, but there's giants there. There's a bunch of people we'd have to war with. We'd get crushed. We'd get destroyed. We'd get ruined. And Caleb and Joshua are the only two that stand up and say, what are you doing? This, this is crazy. God promised us this land. Back to go in a little detail. So he's referring to this time that God made a pronouncement over Joshua and Caleb. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kardash Benia to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. <clears throat> so 13, they sent out the spies, they come back. And then in 14, when he says melt with fear, 14 is like a, just a ridiculous melodrama. I mean, the people actually, they aren't, they aren't just like, oh, I'm a little nervous. They're going nuts. I mean, they're saying, oh, man, after we heard the report of the great land and we listened to you 10 guys, it would be better if we had died in Egypt. Or I wish to God that we had died in the desert because God brought us here just so we could get killed by the sword when we go to take this land. I mean, total melodrama. I, I mean, I feel like I was, well, I almost said something that would get me in trouble nowadays, so I won't say it. <laughs> but let's just say living with teenagers can give you a feel for this. <clears throat> I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I'm going to repeat this a lot. Because what's interesting is when you read Numbers, 
The one who actually declares Caleb had a heart to follow God wholeheartedly is God himself. I mean, that right there is something powerful. Because God, when he speaks to Moses about how he's all upset, and, and there's a whole lot of drama there that's worth reading that we won't go into, about even the way God intercedes for the people. I mean, sorry, Moses intercedes for the people. But it's interesting, in that whole thing, God says, none of the men that we're fighting, that are now cowardly, get to go in. In fact, because the people said, God is going to bring us here and we're going to die, and then our women and our children will be taken for spoil. He only brought us here to die so our kids can end up servants to the Canaanites. And what God actually said is, the children you have that you thought would be spoiled, they get to go into the land. None of you will, except for Caleb and Joshua. And that's when he says, Caleb is a man who is wholeheartedly after me. So God declared that about him. So on that day, Lord, sw sorry, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So Moses declared it, but he only declared it because God first told Moses this. Now, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved on about the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. Okay, I'll, I'll be real honest, I have a hard time with Caleb because he intimidates me. And, uh, I mean, I even thought that when I first realized I'd be speaking on this, so I'm like, oh, this is a rough one for me. Because he says, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Okay, so he's like 18 years older than I am now. And I feel tired already. I can't imagine what it's going to be like 18 years. In fact, even on the way here going ready for church, I was telling Fran, I ended up a little late because I started searching for a wallet. The wallet was in my coat pocket. The coat I was wearing at the time I was looking for the wallet. Been there, been now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. This is the 85-year-old. I said I'd mention this. A little later, you end up with the, the tribes of Joseph, Manasseh. Well, it's actually the western half of Manasseh and Ephraim. They come to Joseph and say, I'm not to Joseph, they come to Joshua and say, this isn't working. We're a big and mighty tribe. God has blessed us and we don't have enough land. And Joseph's answer is, well, if you're so big and mighty, go take the land you were given. Because the reason I have enough land isn't that it wasn't allotted to them. They hadn't taken it yet. And he actually later challenges all Israel because he's soon to die and says, how long are you going to sit here when you have land to take? I will drive them out, just as he said. The 85-year-old wants to go get his land. The younger guys aren't, aren't doing that yet. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, ever since. And that's at the time that this is written, because it actually got taken away later, but that's all thing. Because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Okay, that line's repeated like six times in this passage. Following the Lord God wholeheartedly. 
<clears throat> so now I'm going to jump farther, because right after that it goes into a lot of the allotting of land to Judah and to Benjamin. But now I'm going to move forward. In chapter 15, we get this thing. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sishai, Ahima, and Talmai, and the, uh, the sons of Anak. From there he marched against the people living in Debir, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. So this is the largest city in his area. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. Othniel, son of Kenan, Caleb's brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter to daughter Aksa to marry him. Okay, so Athaniel, and it's this gets, sometimes gets phrased weird. So basically he's his, he's his uh, nephew. And some, this is not in Bible, but some ancient texts say it's that basically um, Kinez was a half-brother. He was a younger brother and a half-brother to Caleb. <clears throat> then I find this interesting. One day when she, Aksa, came to Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And different people interpret this different ways because it seems weird the way the sentence goes. But it seems like he asked him for a field and he was given a huge chunk of land in the Negev. Because the next sentence is about when she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? And I, I just like this for a lot of reasons, but Caleb had boldness and confidence. And it seemed to pass on to Othniel, who I'll talk about later, and to his daughter. Because his daughter is saying, yeah, great, what can I do for you? Well, you gave me land, but it's not enough. Do me a special favor, since you give me land in the Negev, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. It was a place of great land for grazing, but it's, a, it's on the drier side. Negev's down south, so it needs water. And I just like her boldness to say, yeah, it's great, you gave it to me, but I want water too. And so she gets both the upper and lower springs. An assertive young lady taking after her father. <clears throat> now, I'm jumping way ahead. Remember, they did not take their land. In Judges, they still have Canaanites. They still have the Philistines. Um, the Ammonites are still occupying land that they're supposed to take. So they're still in a lot of trouble. Not having those people removed, it's exactly what God said. It's exactly what Joshua warned is. The Canaanites that you didn't take out will lure you into following idols. They'll lure you into wrong things. And they did. And so in Judges, you have all this negative stuff going on. <clears throat> The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs, because that's what the Canaanites did. That's what the Philistines did. <clears throat> the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, so he sold them into the hands of Cushan, uh, that king, and the king of Nerim, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. So now in for eight years, they're subjects to a people they were supposed to push out of there. <clears throat> But when they cried to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, the same Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. Othniel's not the younger brother, Kenaz is, okay? Because I have people who have said, wait, he made his daughter marry his uncle? No, okay, anyway. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, so he became Israel's judge. Judge was not like a court judge like we think, although they did, they did use him in that way, but it really meant a hero. And they went to war. The Lord gave Cushan Rishathim, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. So the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel's son of Kenaz died. 
I find this powerful because Caleb, by the way, Caleb is from the tribe of Judah, right? If you guys remember the phrase, line of the tribe of Judah, it's in Revelation. Who's the line of the tribe of Judah? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah. King David came from Judah. Remember, Saul, Saul came from Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin. And then God was displeased with them. God was very pleased with David, a man after his own heart. And he promised David an eternal throne. He was basically saying the Messiah, the ruler of eternity, is going to come from you, David. So, so that's why the Messiah is from Judah. And I just want to point out, like, I just find this interesting because Caleb is a mighty man. He's a confident man. And he has a heart for the Lord. So it's great he was strong at 85, but the whole reason he had strength was God promised him strength because his heart was after that. It passes on. That same thing you see in him is in Othniel, his, his nephew. And because of his faithfulness, the legacy passes to that, and they have peace in the land for 40 years. And it's only for 40 years because after Othniel dies, I mean, the whole book of Judges. So basically you have Joshua ends with him not taking the land, <clears throat> a bunch of things and a renewal of a covenant, which Joshua knew they weren't going to follow because of other issues that were obvious. And then you have this whole downward sine wave where they just keep falling into sin. God brings them back with the judge. Then they fall into sin worse. And it just goes on and on and on until you finally get to Samuel, Saul, and David. Okay. And well, eventually Solomon, when they basically ask for a king. <clears throat> the part I want to get into is this is Caleb, with his heart for God, wasn't just mighty in battle. Look at how his heart had to have endurance because he had to wander for 40 years or maybe 45. If you, if from what Joshua says, it may have been 45. He had to wander in that same desert with all the rest of them when he could have gone in at the start because he and Joshua were ready to take the land and the people were all fearful. And then God said, fine, you're going to wander in the desert and all of you are going to die. Although it's interesting, even then the people's heart went back and says, oh, you know what? We did a bad thing. So the next day they say, hey, you know, let's obey God and go take this land. And then Moses is like, no, don't go try and do that. It's too late. Don't try. It won't work out well for you. But they go anyway. And the ones that go, it doesn't work out well for them. <clears throat> anyway, I guess I want to just get a feel for, think of where you were 40 years ago. How old were you were 40 years ago. And think of all that time till now. You're wandering out in the wilderness because of what other people did. Because sometimes other people's sin affects us. So I look at Caleb's heart. It's not just boldness. It's a heart of forgiveness and a heart of, I don't care that it's taking 40 years. I have a promise from God, and I'm going to remember this promise for four decades, or actually four and a half decades, and I'm going to get my, my land. I just, I just find that amazing. <clears throat> he didn't whine about a ruined life. Um, I was in the conversation recently with a person over this kind of stuff. <clears throat> he and his wife had some issues, and they still do. And yeah, there were some things done wrong. I guess I just want to get back to the point. There are times we're hurt, and we want to focus on the hurt. 
well, this person did me wrong, and I want everybody to know how this person ruined my life. And I almost feel like God says, you keep focusing on that. Yeah, you can do that. You can draw all everybody's attention to how this person ruined your life. And in this case, I felt like he was so much trying to draw his attention to that is he didn't want to let his wife off the hook. Because if I didn't let you see really how badly you ruined my wife, every time he brings it up, she is pained. And he wants her to feel pain. The sad thing is his desire for the other person to feel pain outweighed his desire to be healed. Because you're right, you can draw all this attention to how your life's ruined, or you could not have a ruined life. Because he could have just thought, well, all, all the people of Israel messed me up. I'm stuck in, out here, and it's just going to, life sucks because of what these cowards did. No, his focus is on, no, I have a promise from God. And I think there's a lesson there, is when we start getting in that whole whining of ruined life, you don't have a ruined life. Because God promised everything to us. Whoops. I'm not saying people don't do us harm. What I'm saying is God gives us a promise that it isn't forever. <clears throat> and sometimes we have to be willing to let the other person off the hook for us to enjoy the healing for forever. Because you can't have both. You can't have God bring you health and vigor and heal everything and then still try to hold resentment for a past hurt. It just doesn't work. <clears throat> All right, so he decided it wouldn't ruin his life. And then the whole idea too is a legacy of 40 years. I find that interesting to think. I, if I walk with God wholeheartedly, it will affect generations after me. Because this 40 years of peace comes long after Caleb's gone. So others benefit from when we followed the Lord, our God, wholeheartedly. But I also have to say this to me is like, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Because I, I still go through things where it's like, I don't feel like Caleb. Um, a lot of you know I've had two strokes. I had two strokes last year, about a year ago from now. And there are still times when I get down and I have to admit, I feel vulnerable. I feel fearful, like, Lord, I, I, hope, if, I hope if it's a third stroke, three strokes and you're out. Because I hope you just take me out. <laughs> because I don't want to go through serious stroke stuff. And and as sad as I can get stuck there and go, wait a minute, Caleb had vigor at 85 years. God, you have to help me. You have to do a work so that I don't see, I don't get into almost like a cruise time in a basketball game or something where, <laughs> where God, I just want to kind of cruise to the grave from this point on. Because <clears throat> that's, my heart can fall into that. I mean, I can just feel tired and fall into that. I want to say, no, Lord, bring again. Because <clears throat> Joyce's word, I think is real accurate. Be prepared for a new thing. But God, I mean, let's just be honest for most of us. God, we're in our late 60s, our 70s, our 80s, and you're saying do a new thing. Yeah, because he's interested in new things. And actually, I just went in there. I don't want to do the next slide. Um, Yeah, I just ask us just to have a time with Holy Spirit. Say, God, show me where I am try trying to settle for what the world says the rest of my life will be like, for the limitations the world puts on me. And just in your heart, just connect with Holy Spirit about what is the new thing. Because, Lord, we want to be Caleb's. We don't want to be one of the other ten.
I thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of getting to be here with your people. I ask you to speak into our hearts to make it so clear in these days and weeks ahead the land you've called us to take and that you show us how to fight the real battle. We confess, Lord, we know no human is our enemy, but show us how to fight our real enemy. We don't want to be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. So, Lord, when our, when our thoughts are not of you, when the accuser is bringing up in us accusations of others, I ask you to intervene quickly and bring to mind that we are not to be the accusers. That's the enemy's side. We are here to love and encourage. Show us new ways to do that, Lord. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.